Welcome. Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. May the 4th be with you. So friends, hello there. Welcome to a slightly earlier than usual episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon released, although this is once again a Star Wars book review, so still falls under the same banner. It's still me reviewing stuff, but yeah, releasing this a little bit earlier than usual because obviously May the 4th is known as Star Wars Day because of that lovely little pun. Well, today I'm reviewing the book Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars. So it is the book that is a sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, the video game, and is a prequel to Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Survivor, the brand new video game that has only just come out within a week of this recording, and I have already started playing a little bit of that, but there will be no spoilers for that game going forward. There's a little bit of information of how I deal with book reviews, so this won't be quite as in-depth as my High Republic book reviews, which are three-tiered. This is instead just going to be two-tiered. So I'm going to give you my spoiler-free thoughts and some information about the book itself and those sorts of things. Then I'll give you a spoiler warning, and then I'll delve into my thoughts of this book with all of its plot and themes and that sort of stuff fleshed out. And then right at the end, I'll give you a plot overview to give you an idea of what is actually contained in this book if you don't have the chance to pick it up, but you do want to know the story before delving into Jedi Survivor. I will read the blurb slash the publisher's summary as well, but I'll save that to the end of my spoiler-free review just so anyone who is listening to this can get a really good idea of what's to come at the right moments in this review. And I'll do that because often the blurb slash publisher's summary has a little bit of spoilery stuff in it and kind of gives quite a big hint to what the book actually entails. And I do have issues with certain elements of how this book was shown in the promotion of it. Even the cover art, I think, gives quite a few spoilers away. But I'll delve into all of those thoughts shortly. So before giving my actual thoughts, a little bit of information on this book. So it was released March 7th, 2023, and it is written by Sam Maggs. Now, timeline-wise, it seems to be between 12 years before the Battle of Yavin and 10 years before the Battle of Yavin, because Jedi Fallen Order takes place around 14 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is about 5 years after Revenge of the Sith, whereas Jedi Survivor takes place around 9 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is, you know, 9 years before A New Hope, 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. And Battle Scars is, like, somewhere between there. It says it's set a few years after Fallen Order and then a few years before Survivor. So, in very easy layman's terms, Revenge of the Sith is 19 BBY, Fallen Order is 14 BBY, Battle Scars is between 12 and 10 BBY, and then Jedi Survivor is around 9 BBY. So still almost a decade before the events of A New Hope, so we're right in the middle of that era between the Republic and the Empire. Now I will note here there is also some other tie-in media with Star Wars Jedi as a series, you know, the books and etc. And that is Jedi Dark Temple. Now in the first game Fallen Order you meet Seiya Junda, who becomes the main character, Cal Kestis, becomes his kind of Jedi mentor as it were. And Seiya Junda was alive in the Days of the Republican things and she was a Padawan to Eno Cordova, who is one of the main assistants in 
the Fallen Order game, as in this character assists Cal in finding artifacts and that kind of thing. He becomes like a guide throughout the game. He and BD-1, the main droid associated with the Jedi series, that droid was owned by Eno Cordova. So all that kind of stuff you'd know if you played Fallen Order, so I'm kind of just reminding you somewhat. But these Dark Temple comics I have actually tackled on Star Wars comics in canon. So I delved through the plot details, I explained what happened, and then along the way I gave you a bit more information on the connecting content, connective tissue, and how it's somewhat connected with the Jedi game as well. So if you want to hear me dive into the five Dark Temple comics, then listen to episode 12 of Comics in Canon. So it's quite an older one. But with all that preamble in mind, let's delve into my spoiler-free review of Battle Scars. So my short review is basically just that I thought the book was good. I thought it was alright. Do I think it's essential to read before Jedi Survivor? No. Do I think it works well with Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order? Yes. Part of me believes that this should have been released a while beforehand, because Jedi Survivor came out end of April, and this book was released like early March, and I feel like people were already quite hyped for it by then, and giving someone less than two months to read a book, as well as all the other Star Wars content that's coming out, I feel like it was too close to the mark. Maybe it was an issue with Sam Max, maybe it had to rewrite stuff, maybe there was a printing delay, maybe there are other issues and things at play but I feel like this book maybe should have been released sort of January time maybe even sort of January February because then that gives like it's another punch to the promo machine for Jedi Survivor but then it gives people a little bit more time so I read this I kind of I wouldn't say I rushed through it but I didn't want to take notes like I do with the High Republic comics because that just it takes a long time to write notes after like every chapter and noting down certain characters or events to pop up that are either similar or connected to other things and obviously in my High Republic reviews I'm doing every single piece of High Republic content, every book, every comic, audio dramas, etc. So all of that stuff is all interconnecting very heavily. So I want my High Republic reviews to be quite in-depth. When it comes to this, it was just kind of a one-off. I read this book for me. I didn't actually plan on doing it for a podcast. Then I thought about doing it as a Patreon thing, because obviously there's a couple of canon book reviews that are only on Patreon. And then there's quite a few Legends reviews that are on Patreon that you can't find anywhere else. So I, I thought about doing that, but... Then with May the 4th being on a Thursday, book reviews generally being a little bit easier to record than the normal comic reviews because I can kind of waffle and ramble a little bit, whereas the comics ones, I'm very specific in things, so I'm a lot more hot on with editing and etc. So... I thought it would be really a good opportunity as well. It's quite fun. We've had a week since Jedi Survivor came out, and so people getting into the game and things. People might be interested to hear what happened before the game. But yeah, I think this book was good. Um, I didn't think it was amazing. I would say, and I do apologise if Sam Maggs is listening, I think she is a great author, but the first half of this book was very, very slow. And to be completely brutally honest with yourselves, I got partway through this book and I said to Megan, I was like, this is a slog. I was like, I'm finding this so hard to read. And then Cataclysm came out while I was reading this, which is obviously the High Republic book that I'm currently reading. And I'm so into the High Republic at the moment. I was like, I just have to get through. Like, that's how I felt about it when I was reading Battle Scars. I was like, I have to get through this because I can't put off reading this and read Cataclysm first because I'll get wrapped up in Phase 2, Wave 2 of the High Republic. But also, if Jedi Survivor coming out I do actually want to finish this before it came out unfortunately I did it with a few weeks to spare but I found it was it was so slow and I was so uninterested for the first half of the book then there's a point I say maybe half it might be a third or so but it's definitely like a good chunk of the start of this book and I was just like this isn't really going anywhere it's just loads of talking and I was finding the writing style although I'm sure a lot of people really did appreciate it for me it was like three or four pages to explain one thing that was happening there was like the main characters from Jedi Fallen Order they're on the mantis and they're all talking and then a couple of extra characters get introduced in this book which I'll get onto in a little bit but you basically got, you've got Cal you've got Marin you've got Seer and you've got Grease and they're the main ones talking and it was just like 
much like all Star Wars books, is written from the perspective of a character, but not in first person. It's from third person. So it's like, Cal was thinking this. Cal thought blah, 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 while Meryn said this. You know, those kind of things. Every like line of dialogue would be followed by, say, two paragraphs of explaining how that character was feeling in response to the dialogue that was just spoken. And to begin with, I was like, oh, cool, we're getting to know the characters a bit more, a bit more depth. But after sort of the first couple chapters, I was like, you're not really telling me anything new about these characters. Like, I already played Fallen Order, which does a really, really good job of explaining who these characters are and how they feel about certain things. And I felt like there is a lot of information here, which I found to be very interesting. And I was like, oh, cool, it's interesting they feel that way about this and the kind of the relationships between each character I found to be interesting, especially Cal and Meryn. But aside from that, I was like, there were just points where I was like, this either feels like it's repeating things or that I just don't need to know. It kind of felt like if I was like in a supermarket and every single thing I picked up, I gave a story as to why I'm choosing that thing. That's kind of how it felt. And it, so it's just like, oh, yes, I go for this can of beans. And not just because I need this for dinner, but because, yes, because this can of beans is actually my favorite can of beans. Because I remember years ago, I had a different can of beans and it wasn't as good as this one. And I tried it. And also this one gives me memories of my family. And then Megan staring at me while I'm making this decision and trying to think of this. The way I feel about Megan is that she's my rock and she makes me feel great about everything. Although I can really feel her pressuring me about the beans. It was like that. And I was just like, there's points. And I was like, okay, I, I don't need all of this. And again, I don't want this to be slating Sam Max because she is a very good author. And there are parts of this book that are amazing. And also I feel like her writing was probably constrained quite severely by the storyline of Jedi Survivor that they probably wouldn't really tell her much. So I assume, now this is purely an assumption, I assume they approached her saying, you can read the, you can write the Star Wars book. And she's like, oh, amazing, cool. I write the story for Cal. Brilliant, brilliant. What can I do? Well, basically, you can't do anything because every character is in Jedi Survivor. So you can't really kill anyone off. You can't really do anything substantial. There is one little thing that happens, um, which I'll mention when I'm in the spoilery part, but it's like, you can't really do anything with the characters. And I suspected that because I was like, well, they're not going to have it so that a main character of four people dies between two video games and you explain it in a book. Like, if there was loads of characters, if it was one of those uh, games where there's, like, 20, 30 characters, that would make more sense. When there's four, I think gamers would be pretty short-changed if anything major happened in the book. So this is my issue a lot of the time with tie-in novels, be it with movies or be it with video games or things like that, is that the authors, I find, can't really write freely they don't have the same freedom i mean it's the same when you write prequels to things or if anyone writes a story whether it's comics of luke skywalker you can only do so much really but especially with characters like this where you really want to explore these characters more and you really want to delve deep into what makes these characters these characters you can't really have them go for any major changes because you know there's several years that are set between fallen order and survivor so you can have certain elements of things that have changed and there are definitely breadcrumbs in here from what i've seen is reflected in the early hours of jedi survivor but i feel like a lot of this book was just kind of fluffing in a sense that it was just probably only about half of this book really needs to be told but then it would be like a short story like a novella and i feel like like stars don't really do that very much and usually novellas when they get released aren't really considered it's kind of like when a band releases an ep if a band releases an ep even if it's amazing it doesn't have the same weight to it as if a band releases an album it's just one of those things same with the book and novella like the greatest novella ever how many prominent book readers can say what the best-selling novella of all time is? I bet not very many, but I'm sure most people could name some of the top 10 best-selling novels of all time, or at least some of the authors of said novels. So that's kind of probably why I think that's the way. And so I, I want to clarify, I did enjoy the book. It's just the second half is so, so much better. There's a part, there's a few parts in this that are really, really interesting and really enjoyable reads. 
But again, there were just, it feels like a lot of this was constrained and a lot of this just, I wouldn't say unnecessary, but I feel like pretty much everything in this probably could have been told in like a five part comic series. And I know I'm a bit of a stand for comics, but like as an example to counter that, I'm I'm reading the Thrawn book. Obviously, I did the comic review of that a while ago as the six comic issue adaptation of Thrawn. I wasn't a fan, so I didn't bother with any of the other Thrawn books, even though I like Thrawn as a character from Rebels. And then recently I've just kind of decided, okay, I've got a year of Audible subscriptions. People keep going on about the Thrawn books, so I'll give it a proper go. So I gave Thrawn the audiobook a go. It's like 16 hours long, and I'm loving it. To be honest with you, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So I think the comic adaptation of that doesn't work because there's so much weight to Thrawn and there's so much intrigue in there and there's so many elements of the characters. I don't think a comic series can really adapt that very well. Whereas I feel this is the opposite. I feel like some of the best elements in this were some of the action scenes, which I think would work really, really well in comics. And there's certain visual elements of this that I think would work so well being printed. But a lot of the other stuff, like the first few chapters, really just were so sluggish and I feel like a comic may have helped that along a bit because it would have cut the fat a little bit of those elements that I'm being critical of the parts I'm just like I don't need four paragraphs to explain one conversation between Cal and Seer I I don't need that Uh, you know it's not for me that doesn't add anything you know I want lore I want depth on characters or I want plot they're the main things I want from a Star Wars novel like action scenes are great and they're fun but that's not specifically what I want but the first few like the action scenes in this, as I said, they are good, but you can feel that Sam Mags really liked the video game. Like, you can really feel that. It feels like a fan, it feels like it's written by a fan of a video game, which is really cool, and it really connects in with that. But this definitely doesn't stand alone. If if you're not interested in the video game, you wouldn't read this book. You know, I, I'm sure there are going to be a few people who are like canon completionists and um, will probably watch people play Fallen Order and Survivor just to get the story beats, or maybe get a novelization if they even make the novelization of games, which I don't think they do anymore. I remember they used to because it did with Force Unleashed, but I don't recall seeing one for Battlefront 2 or Squadrons for that matter. I just know there's like tie-in comics and books that kind of link in with Squadrons and Battlefront 2. Obviously, there's the two Battlefront 2 books. Uh, Inferno Squadron and Twilight Company, the two Battlefront 2 books. And then you've got the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, which I think ties in with Squadrons quite well as well. So I don't know. It's one of those where I did enjoy this. Like, I am glad I read it. But it it was such a slog. And this was, in all honesty, probably my least favourite canon novel, I think, so far. And again, I think the majority of the reason for that is just the nature of this book itself. Like some of my least favourite comics have been these prequels or these one-shot comics because they don't really have the room to grow and don't really have that breathing space where a writer can start with an idea and it develop into something more complicated and interesting. You know, Charles Saul's 2017 Vader run of comics is just phenomenal. There's so much you can do with Vader that I didn't even really realise till I read those comics, and so much more to Vader that I'd want to know, whereas this book didn't really have that. I was quite interested to hear more about Cal, or more about Merrin, and it's like, it just felt like a lot of it was repeating the stuff we already knew in the game, so I feel like you don't need to read this book at all to really get to grips with what's going to be in Jedi Survivor. Yeah, there's like a few cosmetic changes and there's when the game starts, you know, Jedi Survivor, one of the, it's a very, very minor spoiler, but it's in all the marketing and everything, which is just Cal is basically by himself. That's how the, the game starts. And I was like, oh, maybe the book's going to kind of show that. Eh, not really. And because I, I also realized partway reading this book, I was like, they're not going to use this book to explain the start of that. What they're going to do is use the book to explain breadcrumbs. And then when you play the game itself, Cal is going to figure out himself because they're not going to just repeat stuff in the game in the book and so yeah in that regard I felt like unfortunately this was hurt a little bit just by the medium that it was.
I will also add here that Jedi Fallen Order, I think, is a phenomenal game. Both playing it is really, really fun, but the story of it is absolutely fantastic. I absolutely loved that. I've been playing Jedi Survivor. I've only got probably about an hour or two into it, so my knowledge of it is very, very limited at this time, and I will not give any spoilers or anything, but it seems to be amazing as well. And especially as it has some High Republic connections, I'm very intrigued to see where we go there, how we kind of navigate through that. So all very exciting stuff. So with that in mind, my friends, I'm going to read out the publisher's summary for you. And then after that, I'll get into my full spoiler-filled thoughts. Cal Kestis has built a new life for himself with the crew of the Stinger Mantis. Together, Cal's crew has brought down bounty hunters, defeated inquisitors, and even evaded Darth Vader himself. More importantly, Merin, Sierra, Grease, and faithful droid BD-1 are the closest thing Cal has had to a family since the fall of the Jedi Order. Even as the galaxy's future grows more uncertain by the day, with each blow struck against the Empire, the Mantis crew grows more daring. On what should be a routine mission, they meet a stormtrooper determined to chart her own course with the help of Cal and the crew. In exchange for help starting a new life, the Imperial deserter brings word of a powerful, potentially invaluable tool for their fight against the Empire. And even better, she can help them get to it. The only catch? Pursuing it will bring them into the path of one of the Empire's most dangerous servants, the Inquisitor known as the Fifth Brother. Can the Imperial Deserter truly be trusted? And while Cal and his friends have survived run-ins with the Inquisitors before, how many times can they evade the Empire before their luck runs out? So, onto my spoiler-filled thoughts. So this will not spoil any of Jedi Survivor, as frankly I haven't actually played enough to be able to spoil it for you even if I wanted to at this time, but this is going to be spoilers for the book Battle Scars, which leads me onto my big criticism of the book, which I alluded to heavily in the non-spoilery part, but basically there are no stakes in this entire book unfortunately um they sam mags bless her heart tries for there to be stakes and at points it kind of feels that there could be and by the end i I guess there kind of is but even the villain there are no stakes for like the villain is shown on the cover okay he is in star wars rebels so we know immediately he shows up in a show set five years later so he's not gonna die you're not gonna kill calcastus in a book when his new game is coming out so that's off the table in the trailer for Jedi Survivor, we saw each member of the Mantis crew. We saw Merrin, and there's even been mention and gameplay footage showing Merrin's usefulness in the game. Sia Junda's in the game, as is Grease. So we know all of the characters that you have any emotional connection to are completely fine. They all live. So that's that's one element to it. Now, the spoiler-ish part is Cal goes against the fifth brother, and that's the Inquisitor that I mentioned, and uh, he gets a scar across his nose, like a cut from one of the battles, which explains why Cal has a scar in Jedi Survivor and not in Fallen Order. That's a fun little nod. That's the kind of thing I'd expect from a tie-in book. You know, no one really looks at a scar on a character, unless it's a major, major scar, and goes, where'd you get that from? Because then you just go fighting some with a lightsaber or a sword, probably. And you go, okay, that's cool. Um, and then the other thing, which is probably the most major part, is, and I didn't notice this in the trailer. I think in the trailer, they, they kind of try to avoid it somewhat. I suspect when you get to that point in the game, it probably tells you. But Grease has got a robotic or cybernetic arm now, where you get to see how he lost his arm, basically. And I think that's going to lead on to why he's no longer working with Cal. And at the start of Jedi Survivor, Cal is piloting the Mantis and things. So Grease, or well, the Mantis is Grease's ship. So there's obviously some degree of explanation why that happened and how him losing his arm affected him staying with the Mantis crew and wanting to do all these things. So you just get immediately all the characters shown on the cover. 
There's no real threat or harm or anything that comes to any of them, apart from like a few, as I said, cosmetic things. The other issue is that in that summary, as well as on the cover of the book, the fifth Inquisitor looks like he's going to be in it loads. And I was like, oh, this is going to be like a proper cat and mouse kind of thing. And it's going to really show Cal how weak he is, maybe, or he's going to resort to using the dark side of the force to beat the fifth Inquisitor, like the fifth brother. Like, how is this all going to go? He's going to be in it majorly. No, no, he's not. Um, He's in like two chapters. They fight twice. So he's in one chapter near the start, then there's a little sort of scuffle and fight, and then he's in another chapter by himself, and then he fights them. And then he just kind of seemingly gets away. It doesn't really explain how, or or like an explosion happens, and then he's just not there when they all kind of wake up. And one of them says, oh, I think I saw him jump through the window or something. And that's basically it. And it's like, okay, so is he not going to pursue him anymore? Because the Inquisitors shown rebels, they seem to pursue people for quite a long period of time. Like, they don't ease up. So you just get this kind of anticlimactic fight because you've got, you know, it's written well. That's the issue. Once again, I don't want to just slate Sam Max, but like it's written well. It's just that when you have a story where every single character survives and everyone knows every single character survives, that there's only so much one can actually do with it. And normally in certain stories, like with post episode nine content for Luke, you can really show him falling into this trap of being too dogmatic with the Jedi or pushing himself away from everyone like he's like in Last Jedi. Like there are avenues in which you can go because we've explored it. Once you've set the clear goalposts on the left side and the right side, when you want to dive into the minutia of the middle and work out how a certain character has gone through this arc or this transformation, you've got a more clear guide of what you can do. With Cal, it's kind of like you have to set him down a degree of this path, but there's only so much you can do because Survivor has to be similar enough to Fallen Order that people want to play it, and it's still set in generally the same era. It's a few years apart, but it's still during the Empire, before the Rebellion was really a thing, or before the Rebel Alliance was a thing. There was a few minor Rebel cells. But we also know that Cal isn't in the original trilogy. So like, well, what's he doing at that point? Does he die before it? Does he get there and is just off in the universe doing something different? Obviously, Jedi Survivor's set like 10 years, well, 9 years before New Hope. So it's about 13 years before Return of the Jedi. So it's just, unfortunately, there's only so much one can actually do. So the action scenes are fine. There's a couple of cool moments in it and things. And it's it's very cool hearing up Merrin. Like Merrin is really the star of this book. And I think Sam Mags knew this going in. I feel like she wanted to write a book all about Merrin. And they were like, hey, can't do too much backstory. So why don't you just kind of have her in a story with Cal and the crew. And you can kind of give a bit of information on her sort of retroactively. But again, like we know some of her story, like you get it told in the book. It serves really well as a reminder of the stuff that happened in the Clone Wars. But again, it gets told to you in Fallen Order. And the majority of people who are reading Battle Scars have almost certainly seen the Clone Wars or know kind of what happened in the Clone Wars. I'd be surprised if more than like 5% of people who read Battle Scars haven't read the Clone Wars or something. So it, it's just one of those things where I was quite interested by Meryn and how her like Night Sister magic worked. But again, it kind of, the start of the book, it was like, it's a superhero trope, you know, oh, I'm starting to lose a connection with my powers. How do I use them now after I've been able to use them so easily for so long? You kind of struggle for a bit and then you have this transformative experience and then you're fine with it again. So the start of the book, she's struggling. And then by the end of the book, she's fine again. So by the time we start Jedi Survivor, I suspect she won't really be having any problems with her powers or she'll be like, oh yeah, that that problem I was having has kind of came back. You won't need to know what the issue was in Battle Scars. It will just be, meh, it's kind of resolved itself now and you don't really need to know anything further so 
That's for all the characters. Like Grease was pretty uninteresting in this book. He's just kind of himself. I wouldn't mind hearing more about him. Um, he does like a little mention of Yaddle, I think. it's No, actually, no, that's in the games. In fact, I'm missing, I'm confusing stuff with the games with the book. But like Grease and his people have got some sort of uh, folklore story about Yaddle. Um, but like Sia Junda, as I said in the intro part of this, we've got a bit of backstory to her because you learn it in Fallen Order, but also they've got the comics, the Dark, or the Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple comics. So you get more of an idea of what she was like when she was younger and how that led her to the path that you see her go down in Fallen Order. Like, her journey is quite set. Greed we know basically nothing about. I'd been interested for this to more focus on Meryn and Grease and to kind of see what they're more about, I guess. But I feel like Grease is taking a bit more of a back step in Jedi Survivor. So maybe the book was like, hey, we don't want you to write loads about Grease because we're somewhat kind of phasing him out of uh, Jedi Survivor. So you can kind of focus on Meryn a bit, which again, I think is what Sam Mags wanted. But there's only so much you can do if the character's journey can't really change from what it ended with in Fallen Order. So a lot of it is about like relationships in a way and it's exploring Meryn being pansexual which is fine you know I don't think her sexuality has any bearing of her character nor do I think it does with pretty much anyone it's just like okay that character's into you know this group of people or they're into anyone or whatever like it means nothing to me but it's nice getting that representation I'm sure a lot of individuals who identify as queer or pan really enjoyed the fact that a character like Meryn who I think already had quite a lot of people from the LGBTQ plus community like connect with on an emotional level I feel like her coming out in a way or showing herself to be that way really helps a lot of those individuals you know it's all about Star Wars should be representing people I believe that and it's it's all about found family and it's about who you are and about the the universe may not like you for who you are but that doesn't mean that you're wrong in that you know all the kind of allegory with the emperor uh, or the empire and the jedi and all that kind of stuff like, there's loads about it there's whole books that can be written I'm sure are there's whole podcasts that are done that I'm sure are all about the social commentary in Star Wars and things so Meryn being pan in this doesn't mean anything to me necessarily. I'm just I'm glad they did it because it just it only only really be good things, isn't it? It only really works out for other people who are reading this content. But the whole kind of the catalyst of this, and it says it in the publisher summary, is basically a stormtrooper meets Meryn and wants to defect. This stormtrooper is called Fret, and Fret is quite a cool character. I quite liked Fret actually, but then I was like, hmm, if this character is being introduced in Battle Scars, one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to be in Jedi Survivor and like die right at the start, or they're not going to be in Jedi Survivor at all. And as far as I can see, it's probably the latter. I can't really see any sign of Fret being in it. And the way the book ends is strongly insinuating that you're never going to see Fret again. In fact, I think one of the lines is Meryn saying, I don't know if I'm ever going to see her again. And one of the friends being like, oh, he might, but probably not. Uh, so Fret is a character I did enjoy. Her relationship with Meryn was fine, but... I'm not sure how much it necessarily added. You know, aside from it being a way for Meryn to kind of get her fire back, which is kind of her plot line of like she's losing a connection to Dathomir, she's feeling quite isolated and, you know, being with a couple of Jedi on board and Grease, she doesn't really get to express her emotions very much. So she's feeling a little bit repressed. And so when Meryn meets this person who she can kind of fully be herself around, it allows Meryn to kind of air out some of the things that she has and then gets her connection back to Dathomir so that she can use the Night Sister magic. Like, that's generally the plot of this. It, this book is called Battle Scars. It's kind of dealing with people's PTSD, but Cal's kind of trying to not talk about it and avoid it. Grease doesn't talk about anything. Sia's kind of over it now because she kind of got over that in Fallen Order. So it's really just Meryn. And it's just Meryn basically doesn't have her powers, has some basically sex with Fret. It's, or it's very, 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 very heavily insinuated. But I'm pretty... It, it's... It's all but said, let's say that way. There's a quite a couple of steamy scenes, shall we say. So it's like, well, there's a physical relationship there. 
something happens and there is an emotional connection there there's a spiritual connection there. there's a lot of connections like Meron just met a kindred spirit and then because of that it kind of ignited a fire again but while all that's going on obviously the fifth brother's somewhat pursuing them and doesn't succeed but then fret being a stormtrooper who's defecting and whatnot has got this connection to a person who is developing something called the shroud now the shroud is meant to be this like unbeatable undetectable thing you're meant to be able to like wear it or activate it and you won't show up on any like video footage you won't show up on any scans be it organic or electronical scans or scans by ships or planetary scans like any type of scan or even if like an astromech like scans you while being right in front of you in theory nothing will show up so it's all about this idea of the shroud and if this is quite a, an idea of they want to stop it going to the hands of the empire because that make the empire unbeatable it'd be really good for not the rebellion but rebels in general because obviously there's a Saul Guerrero connection because he was in fallen order so it's like what sects of rebellion could use this how could we use this in our fight against the empire and it's all about the shroud and obviously i said this is the spoilery section so be warned i'm about to tell you uh they don't get the shroud um it's just like a prototype it's not even a prototype it's like a theoretical device and then the creator of it by the end kind of goes yeah it doesn't really seem like i can actually even make this it seems to be basically impossible so yeah let's just hide and it's like okay i mean that's that's fine but again it's just one of those it's zero sum like this this book the way it starts is the way it ends there's not really anything added to it and that's that's one of the big problems with this so fret's quite cool i said uh stormtrooper and things and then you've also got you got someone called i think it's eerie i-r-e-i so there are four sensitive nikto specifically uh kadasa nikto and so she used to be in a relationship with Fret and while Fret was a stormtrooper and then Fret wanted to kind of leave the Empire but also kind of didn't and Iray was a force sensitive individual and so wanted to create this thing called the Shroud um, and Iray tried to get Fret to help her and leave the Empire but Fret didn't want to, was kind of too scared and then Fret believes that Iray was dead and then obviously has this intimate relationship with Meryn and then they go to find the Shroud and then they think they found the Shroud but it's actually Iray in the Imperial Prison and then there's kind of not quite a love triangle but there's definitely some complications there between Meryn, Fret, and Iray, and that all kind of gets aired out by the end but then the way the book ends is fret and iray go off into hiding fret is going to protect iray who is this force sensitive individual who is trying to create the shroud who's also this genius like engineer person and does lots of upgrades on the mantis and a few other upgrades here and there basically so that in jedi survivor when lots of tech is better people aren't playing it and going hey why is the tech on the mantis way better than it was in fallen order and people can go oh well if you read the book it'll tell you that you know iray did some upgrades on the ship once again it's fine it's not bad but yeah so fret and ira go off into this random other planet and then they just hide and hopefully they live a nice happy life together even though ira and fret have said they're not really romantically involved anymore because fret is involved with merin so yeah that's a somewhat tragic but also kind of nice ending but yeah that's really it there's not that many other characters one or two like antagonists that are quite dull that i found to be fairly boring and there's obviously the fifth brother, who I think is quite a boring Inquisitor. And I don't really know why they chose the fifth brother. Maybe there's plans for every single Inquisitor that I don't know about. There's probably going to be a couple in Jedi Survivor. But I'm like, why didn't you just create a new Inquisitor? I don't get it. Because then you could have had like some sort of weight behind them. You could have had like Cal kill them. And that really shakes him to his core. Or Cal kills him when Seer didn't want him to kill the Inquisitor. And then that could lead to some sort of like friction between them. Because it kind of... One running theme throughout this is that the four members of the Mantis crew, they don't really want the same thing. They seem to think they want the same thing. They kind of, they go forward thinking, oh yeah, we're fighting the Empire. We want to do the same thing. But they all 
come to this conclusion after they have this big argument that actually they don't want the same thing. You know, Cal wants to take down the Empire. Seal wants to save the Jedi Order and preserve it and get lots of artifacts and things. And her number one priority is making sure that the Jedi Order, as well as its teachings and its artifacts and things, are kept for future generations. Cal wants to destroy the Empire, and then Merrin wants the people who killed her sisters to suffer. But obviously the people who killed her sisters were Separatists, but the Separatists are no longer a thing because when the Empire came about, it stopped the Republic and the Separatists and just became the Empire. So she's kind of... She even says it in the book at points. She's kind of like just having to use something as a sort of scapegoat for her own emotions, like trying to take out her grievances with what the Separatists and General Grievous did to her and her fellow Night Sisters on the Empire. So it's like, well, her and Cal kind of are doing the same thing, I guess. But Seal is prioritizing saving knowledge and the Jedi Order over defeating the Empire. And that's kind of where it starts to happen. And then when Grease loses his arm, then that's quite a major thing where he's like, you guys are just in this league above me. And also, you're doing stuff which has an impact on the rest of us. Like, I'm not this Jedi master. I don't have all these crazy powers and stuff. I can't protect myself like the rest of you can. And so I think that's probably one of the reasons why he vaguely retires, as it were. But yeah, as I said, most of this book is, is enjoyable. The first part of it is so slow and really feels like it's, it's going like one mile an hour. And even the action scenes I just found to be quite dull. But when they meet Fret, I found it to be quite interesting. But it's another reason I have with the issue with why I normally don't read blurbs slash publisher summaries before reading uh, books, especially Star Wars books, is that what they describe there with the fifth brother pursuing them, I don't think the fifth brother even gets to them till like halfway, two thirds to the book. Fret doesn't join them till chapter think it's like chapter three but the thing is is that this book has really really long chapters i think only has like 11 or 12 chapters it's like a 300 page book and for me i prefer books that have shorter chapters because it's a quite an easy way to stop you know when you're reading and stuff and so that was a minor grievance of mine i just i quite like short chapters whereas this one certain chapters are like 30 or pages long it's like i just want a moment <laughs> i've been reading this book now for ages if it takes me like a minute per page and i'm trying to read and i've got like 15 minutes before i should be going to bed it takes ages doesn't it um but that, that's, that's not anything against sam max that's just me personally liking really short chapters but yeah I'm, i found I'm glad I read it, but I don't really think it adds anything to Jedi Survivor. It's definitely not a central read to Jedi Survivor. It's more so just like the answers to a couple of very minor operational, like technological and aesthetic differences between Fallen Order and Survivor. But given they're a few years apart, you can just hand wave that away and say it's been a few years. You're like, it's, it's one of those things where I would be really interested to see if Sam Maggs had the opportunity to write more Star Wars with different characters. Either she got um, the start of a comic run or she got to delve into some of the characters. Like High Republic, I think she would do really well in the High Republic. I think if Sam Maggs wrote like a young adult novel, I think it would be amazing. I think it would work so well having new characters go on new journeys and being able to really explore what they're doing rather than being confined to the goalposts of Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. That said, if you're a completionist and you're desperate to know every single piece of Jedi content, then yeah, you can read the book. It's it's not awful, to clarify. It's just if you can get through the first few chapters, it, it does really start to pick up. But it's not essential. The characters are fine. The action scenes are good. Um, there's a few little lines of dialogue that are like, oh, cool, yeah, uh, things like that. But nothing that, there's no moments I was like, oh my God, or there was no part of it. I was like, oh, wow, this is why I'm reading it. There's none of that. You know, when I read certain High Republic books and I end a chapter, I'm like, whoa, that blew my mind. I need like a moment to process that. There was none of that in, in this. The antagonist is the fifth brother. He's weak and we know his fate. 
He's not weak physically, but he's just quite a weak, boring character. He's just like, I'm evil. Why? Because I'm angry. Uh, okay. So like pretty much every other Inquisitor that doesn't have a personality. Cool, cool. Uh, but we already know what happens to you. So that's kind of uninteresting. Um, and then all the characters, the antagonists that we don't know anything about, they all just die. And then Fret and Iray just go off on their own little planet. So the Madness crew are kind of left the way they were from the start. It's just they've got that lingering question, which is, are we all on the same path? Do we all actually want the same thing? And that's where Jedi Survivor is going to kind of birth from. And as I said, I suspect when Cow talks to each of the characters in Jedi Survivor from the Mantis crew, I imagine each conversation with them will probably either give a flashback or give some information on the explicit reasoning as to why they're no longer a crew. But that's my thoughts, friends. I hope you've enjoyed it. Sorry, it's a little bit more negative than usual. I try to keep most of my Star Wars content fairly positive, but I also want to be as honest and open with you as possible. So in short, I'd probably, I'd probably give this book a six and a half out of ten, you know, maybe a seven. You know, to be fair to Sam Maggs of what she was given, probably a seven, seven and a half. But to be just truly objective and stand away from it and just purely how much did I enjoy reading this book and what did it add? Six and a half, I'd say. Um, not the best there's, there's a lot of other if, if you're going to read your first Star Wars book don't I wouldn't say let it be Battle Scars you know other Star Wars books if you want to read like one-offs Lost Stars is incredible Force Collector is brilliant as well both of those are really great young adult novels to start with that connect enough with Star Wars so you get a little enjoyment from little nods and stuff but with brand new characters so there is actual tension in there if you want to read like a, a whole new era of Star Wars obviously the, the High Republic is incredible it's my favourite thing and Jedi Survivor is connecting with the High Republic so does the Acolyte so there's lots of threads that are linking into the High Republic so if you start now you should be on the right path before some of these pieces of content come out you know post uh, Jedi Survivor there's also the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig that is fantastic some people don't like the way he writes I personally never had an issue with that and the story that he tells in those three books is just fantastic it's a brilliant way to show how the Empire kind of dissipated in the, into the Imperial Remnant they're actually really important books for the Mandalorian I find it really shows what happened post episode six just the year and a half immediately after that so really enjoy those obviously the jedi games are amazing so play those if you can afford them and have the time for it and those sorts of things uh but then that's pretty much it for me apart from saying the usual kind of stuff so you can follow me on social media at genuine chit chat on instagram twitter and on facebook subscribe to my youtube channel all my styles episodes are in playlists and then all my genuine chat episodes they're all there as well and you can listen to conversations i've had about star wars with star wars authors and content creators those sorts of things so if you enjoyed this kind of thing, check that out. I've also done quite a lot of other book reviews. I've done like Master and Apprentice. I've done Dark Disciple. I've done all of the High Republic books. That's the junior ones, the young adult ones, and the adult novels. Apart from the stuff in Phase 2, Wave 2, I'm literally reading that right now, but I've done all of the Wave 1 stuff. And I've also tackled every single canon Marvel comic that exists, um, apart from ones that have only come out in the last what, six months, because I'm waiting for arcs to finish so I can you know wrap it up. If issue 4 or 5 is out, I haven't tackled issues 1 to 4. I wait for the fifth one to come out, and then I do them all. But um, yeah, every Star Wars comic, so if you i would say check out the dark temple one um but if it's your first time tuning in just look around see what you kind of fancy i've done everything about darth vader i've done everything about the high republic i've done afro i've done the main run of star wars comics really anywhere you want to start it's the perfect way to get yourself into the comic realm you never have to have picked up a star wars comic in your entire life just like listening to any of my book reviews you never have to have read any star wars books so if you wanted to as long as you've seen the star wars movies you could just listen to all my episodes of star wars comics and canon and you would have a great wide perspective on the star wars canon because i've tackled a large large amount of it and i'm trying every day to tackle even more 
But if you want to support my content creation, please go over to patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. For as little as £1 a month, you not only get to support the show and you get one portion of my undying love, but you'll get access to an audio-exclusive feed which has over 170 episodes on there right now. Some of them are Star Wars Legends book reviews, a couple of canon ones on there. There's the reviews of the movies themselves I've done with Megan, but then there's loads of stuff we've reviewed together that is not to do with Star Wars. Movies, TV shows, even live performances, and even when we go on holiday sometimes we or road trips, we talk about our experiences there so lots of great ways to be up to date with what i'm up to behind the scenes listen to what megan's up to get more styles content get more non-styles content and support the show all with additional content so please consider doing that i would appreciate it muchly if you can't contribute financially please review on spotify or apple podcasts or good pods please share on social media tell your friends all about it all those things really really help out the show but friends thank you so much for listening as always i appreciate each and every one of you i will speak to you next week with the first volume of of the phase two high republic comics so that is high republic issues one to five written by kevin scott published by marvel and they're in phase two so you can tell because the logo of the high republic is blue instead of it being gold that's the easiest and quickest way to tell at a glance so i'll be tackling those next week thank you friends check out the show notes for the guest spots i've been up to recently as well as all the ways you can support the show you can sign up to the pop culture collective newsletter to find out what i'm up to every single week loads of other great things that you can do so friends Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week with another bout of High Republic content. And until then, may the fourth be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.